Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Three, two, one. You're listening to Field Day with Katie Black. Is that is that is that good? I'm back with my dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Katie. What's up? It's good to be back. Yeah. Do you want to share a story you found interesting, or do you want me to share a headline first? Uh, yeah, let me share a story. You know, it, this this time of year, the uh, you know we already had the Super Bowl over. We already had the uh, NCAA championship, and uh, you know basketball is going on, and uh, they're not quite ready for the end of the season. So it's kind of a, you know, baseball is in spring training, but hadn't really started. So really it was kind of a, a slow, it was a few, it's a few things really interesting on the verge of happening. But I found this story, it was, it fascinated me. It was, how much do you think a ticket, an unused, a complete ticket to Michael Jordan's first NBA basketball game in Chicago what do you? Th- how much do you think that one would sell for? Oh, not what it was currently worth at the time. What it would sell for nowadays? Yeah, what it would sell for now. Let me tell you the story first. Uh, this uh, this uh, guy he was he was in um, he was in college. He he went to Northwestern, which is in Evanston. This you know fairly close to Chicago. He was in school there, and this friend of their family was a uh, worked for the at that time the Washington Bullets. And he, since the the bullets were out, their season opening was opening at Chicago. He sent this guy two season tickets to the to the Chicago Bulls opening game against the Washington Bullets. Mm-hmm. And so he was in the dorm there, and he had two tickets. And so he tried and tried to get some buddies to go with him. They're gonna hop a train to go to Chicago to watch the game on Chicago's west side, and he couldn't talk to anybody in the going that were studying or something. And, and, and one reason was, it's hard to believe, but at that point, point in 1984, the Bulls had had, I think, three straight losing seasons. Uh, so they weren't a really big, like they are now, like they was when, when Jordan played for them. Uh, wasn't a really big turnout, and they wasn't all that excited about, you know, Jordan was the third person picked in the NBA draft. He went behind... Uh, Olajuwon and uh, uh, Sam Bowie. So he was the third pick. So, they, you know, wasn't a lot of excitement. And so uh, he he went to the game by himself. But he carried the two tickets. They were that well. He, they were at the call window, you know. So when he got there, he went up to the call window, got his two tickets, stuck one of them, and just stuck it down in his shirt pocket, used the other one to go into the game. And um, so, was, meaning they didn't rip it. No, no, he had two tickets. See. I know what I'm saying. The one that he kept obviously wasn't ripped. Right. It was an unused ticket. It was a right, whole, whole right. ticket, you know, which, you know, and he just stuck it in his pocket and he went into the game and later on he threw away the stub he had, you know, and he just stuck it in his pocket. And uh, it wasn't a very eventful game. I, th- I looked up and saw what Jordan did that first game. He had 16 points. He had six rebounds, seven assists, and four block shots. So it wasn't really anything – you know, that was a good game, don't get me wrong, but nothing really, you know. So, he wasn't flying yet. Yeah, he wasn't flying yet. And so uh, he, you know, took that, stuck it, stuck it in his pocket. Uh, he went back, uh, uh, you know, like I said, stuck it in his pocket. Uh, later on, he uh, he transferred it to a, he had a manila envelope. And I do the same thing that, 
you know, for other tickets, for, for other tickets, other worthless tickets, he stuck it in that envelope for, you know, his, his other tickets he had kept them. But this one was, was unused. And so for 34 years, he moved from apartment to apartment to apartment, you know. And he said that if somebody had come up and said, I'll give you $500 for that ticket, he would have sold it. But said one night he was watching TV, and the story came across the TV that someone had sold a stub, a stub to the Jordan's first game for $264,000, a stub. And, he and so was, how many years later was this? 34. It was 34 years later. And, uh, you know, he was like, he had no idea. He, he said he, he didn't even know that there was a market for, for tickets to, you know, games. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening in the collecting thing is the uh, – Opening round game, opening games for especially guys like Jordan are like rookie cards. And baseball cards are rookie card for you know Hank Aaron, a rookie card for Willie Mays, a rookie card for Mickey Mantle. Those are the ones that bring the real big price. In the ticket industry, it's the tickets that the the, the, open, the when, when they're their debut tickets for people like Jordan, you know. And so, but he he had no idea there was a market for t- tickets. And so he started wondering, oh, my God, so I still, I still have it. So he went down, and he, this time I think he was living in Connecticut. He went down in his basement, you know, and had, a, had a, one of those plastic things that said, his, his name was Mike, Mike's Memories. And he opened it up and shuffled through there and found this benevolent envelope. And sure enough, inside was this unused ticket. So he called around to a bunch of auction houses. By the way, who were the Bulls playing that night? They were playing the Washington Bullets. See, okay, sorry, the, sorry. His, the, the friend of the family, the friend of the family, you know, knew him, knew him and said, "Okay, guy, he's real close, and I'll send him these two tickets to the mm-hmm. Washington Bulls, you know, opening game, even though it was with Chicago." So, was, so, and what year do you think this was? This was 1984. This was Jordan's first year, October 26, 1984. I had no idea that he played for the Bulls in the 80s. Yeah. Oh yeah. He yeah. So he only played for Chapel Hill in the the last of the seventies and the early eighties. No, he played for the. It was kind of in the early eighties because they won the national championship. Uh, Jordan won it in eighty eighty or eighty one. He won it his sophomore year. They won it, even though they were fantastic. The next two years, for some reason, they didn't win it. So he won the NCAA national championship. God, Katie, I want to say it's fine. I, I think. Well, it's give or take. I mean, it, there's no one. Yeah, because Jordan won it, and Jordan won it, and then, yeah, I think it was around '81. It had to be. It had to be in around '81 um, that they won the night. '80 or '81. I can't remember which one it was, but it was in the early '80s. So let's see. Let's see. If you went, if you played in '84 for the Bulls, '83 he was a senior. '83, uh, '82. He would have been a soft, a junior. So it was, it was eighty one, eighty one national championship. Okay, sorry, I just wanted to get no, the that, time frame. And uh, so he had, you know, kept it for thirty four years. Um, the the in the ticket thing, I, I think they said that a, I think this was a stub. The only other ticket that's kind of close to that, or or real, I think it's a little bit more, is that uh, the only other ticket. Uh, that was in that price range was the um, 19, 1947, 1947, Katie, Major League debut of who? Who you think would bring that kind of money? 1947, and that's a little bit before your time. <laughs> but who, what player? Babe hit, Ruth. 
Ba- no, no, Babe okay, Ruth. Okay, well, don't tell, well, don't tell me yet. Okay. Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle. Mm-mm. DiMaggio. Nope. What player, what, what significant thing? Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, 1947. Jackie Robinson's debut, and it was like 400, I think 480,000. And, you know, so, you know, so it was... It was something else to be in, in, that, in that price range. But wait, do you really believe this guy kept a ticket not thinking that he was going to profit of it one day? Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, I, I, I do the same thing. I come home from a game or something, and these are stubs, you know, and I've, I've got a, like, almost like him a little manila envelope, <laughs> and, I'll st- and I'll stick the tickets in there. You know, it's just something, you, do, you know, sport who, and, you know, like you said, he's got a whole envelope full of, uh, you know, worthless tickets, but he's got one in there. You know, and so is he going to sell it? Oh yeah, he. What he did is he uh, he called around to different auction houses. And he he took a picture of it of the ticket, mm-hmm. s- s- contacted these auction houses, sent a picture of it, and one of them uh, contacted him and said, "Yeah, that they would they would be glad to sell it." And so it was he he, he I forgot how he listened to the auction stuff, but anyway, he was keeping track of it and the uh, the ticket. They started out the bidding and it go up at ten thousand dollar in them increments, and I think it started sometime around the eight, eight or nine o'clock, and I think he said he had gone to sleep at three at three a.m. It sold for four hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars, which also included the buyer's premium of you know twenty percent buyer's buyer's premium, you know, so four hundred sixty eight thousand dollars. That's crazy. It is. It is. It's just. It's unbelievable. Does it say where the guy's out of? Like where the guy? No, it didn't say anything about the guy that bought the ticket. A lot of time, people that buy tickets. They like meet that, private. The, yeah, they didn't. You know, and then in the article, the story I read, it didn't say anything about the the person that bought it. You know, but uh, why you want to? They you think these people want to be quiet for safety purposes? Probably so. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, you know when you buy, you pay four hundred sixty eight thousand dollars for a ticket. You know, yeah, you you. I, I think you know, of course they're big, you know, big buyers and stuff, and I think that you know they you know. Did, I, it's almost like people that win these lotteries and stuff. They don't want people to know mm-hmm. that, you know they got all that money and stuff. So I thought, I thought that was you know because like I say, wasn't much much going on. Uh, but I thought that was an interesting story. I I didn't I wasn't aware of you know I knew about baseball and football collecting and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. jerseys and stuff. Never thought about that tickets, you know, uh, would would be so valuable. And so far, I forgot how long ago this this story was. Nobody has shown up. With an un, nobody's shown up with an unused ticket to that game, so uh, that's probably going to be the, the you know of course I'm going to be the one. Did you ever see Jordan play? Oh yeah, I saw him play. Uh, I saw him play in, in in ACC tournaments. I saw him play at Clemson. Um, I saw him played with the Bulls when they came, when they played the Hornets. Who'd early. you go to that game with? Uh, the ACC tournaments. Uh, me and Steve Madden. Mm-hmm. What uh, about the NBA? NBA game. What happened is uh, I was working in Charlotte, and uh, our office went together and bought a season ticket. I think it was it was four of us went together and bought season tickets. And then what we did before the season started, we would draw and you know who, who would pick pick the first game. And so the person that picked the first game, you know, they, the next game they they would pick the the fourth time, and we would rotate like that. And I got to pick first. And I picked 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 that game, you know, because of him, huh? Because of him, yes, yeah, or well, because of him, yeah. So what did, what did you what was it like seeing him play? Oh, it was you know like I say I'd seen him play in in, in college and stuff, and uh, uh, 
like, did he t- like when you looked at the court? Were you only were everyone only looking at him? Well, no, you know, being from North Carolina, of course, Charlotte, you know, everybody was really, you know, excited about seeing him play and stuff, and so yeah. But no, I know overall. But the, was the crowd like only kind of like? No, the, no, the crowd was the crowd was definitely a Hornets crowd. Back then, you know, that was the first professional, you know, major uh, professional team that Charlotte had, you know, and we would pack that place. That place seated, uh, the tw- I think it's twenty something thousand. But mm-hmm. the, I mean, we we led the NBA for I don't know how many years in sellouts. That they were, you know, as a crowd that was just. So hungry. how long? How long do you think those years lasted? There's, I seen the not long ago what it was. It was something like, oh god, because it was right before they, you know, they, 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 right before they left when they moved to to New Orleans with, with Shin. Um, it was it was eighty four. It was you know ten or twelve. It might have been more than that. Consecutive sell. We had the biggest. You know, largest atten- average the largest attendance in the NBA for years and years. We can look it up, uh, but no, Charlotte was. Uh, you know, I mean, they were, you know, glad to see Jordan play, but they were definitely, definitely, uh, you know, pulling for the Hornets and stuff. Um, the uh, reason I kind of locked on that. On that on <laughs> That's that, on our that, shock. <laughs> reason I locked on that story was that. I was looking for you know some other interesting story and and that I thought by far that was most interesting, but there were several things that were breaking that uh, that uh, I, I thought would is going to be interesting. Two of them, well three of them really. One of them is that uh, this this quarterback situation in the NFL. You know, it's about you know who's going to go where. You know, you got all these really top notch quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Derek Carr. Now he, now he did. He went and signed with uh, with the Saints, you know. But you, it, I thought that's interesting in the in, in the draft coming up. A lot of teams are looking for quarterbacks, but I thought it was really interesting that, uh, that Lamar Jackson that he signed. They they put the tag on him, but it wasn't exclusive. So it means I think that if somebody else uh, makes an offer, the the Ravens can can top that offer. If they don't, uh, then that team has to give them. Two first-round draft choices, but I think the Ravens would want more than two two first-round draft choices for Lamar Jackson. But that's an interesting one. And then Aaron Rodgers is interesting. Derek Carr, I think, was was, would would be make a real big difference with the Saints. You know, he taught with the Panthers. Um, well, first of all, is this "quote unquote" normal to have a bunch of major quarterbacks up in the air? Because I don't really remember it being so. It doesn't seem that way, Kitty. I was trying to think back. It 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 doesn't seem to be that way that you you had people of that statue. You know, I mean, you know, both Rodgers and and Lamar Jackson have won you know MVPs. You had you have MVP quarterbacks, you know, looking you know for uh, a better situation. That's unusual, you know. Uh, and then you got some other like Derek Carr and uh, uh, Garoppolo uh, for the uh, 49ers. Is you know that, that's an interesting one. Uh, but you got a lot of teams that really. And the, then I guess the other thing is that uh, the uh, Bears, who have the first pick, I mean they you know, with Justin with Fields, they have a really good quarterback, you know. And so I think another interesting thing there is they probably need some help on defense, and they're thinking about trading their first round pick. You know, for a lower pick, where they can you know get the person they want it because they they've got a quarterback that they like. So that's kind of interesting too. You know, that somebody might trade away the first round pick, which is usually picking a quarterback because uh, they're 
I think they're satisfied with their quarterback, and they they want some maybe some defense player. But that might that might change. I don't know. So it's that thing's kind of interesting. Well, wait, wait, wait. Well, before you move on, what do you think about how Aaron Rodgers said he was going to go into like the pit of darkness or whatever, and to think about his. I don't. I don't. Dad goes. I don't understand. Well, you know, you, you hear about people in these isolation chambers or something. You know, when you, when you, it, it's no light, no sound. You know, it's perfect. You know, deprivation. I, 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 I don't know if that makes you think. You know, more clearly, or you know what you know what it does. And so, I mean, uh, not ever having done it or you know know about it, I, it uh, it's probably you know something to do to see just you know if it if it does. You know, make you more clear-headed and 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 thinking at a at a high level. So, but so yeah, I I, I think with his situation, I would uh, would try anything to make sure I made the because you know he's getting up in age and and I think he wants to make the right decision because this will be the last time he probably plays for him. So he's uh, I'm sure would like a few a, a new uh, some more Super Bowl rings and so I think he's. Do you think he'll stay? I don't know. I mean, you know, he, he, they, uh, that's the part. I mean, the Packers have a good team, you know, I, I, but, you know, he's only, I think he's only won one Super Bowl. So he, you know, he saw what Brady did when he went to Tampa Bay and won another one. So I, I think he would like to, since he only has a few years left, to pick a team that he thinks, hey, they're they're a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. And so uh, I don't, you know, he's trying to do everything he can to do that. Well, before we move on to your other story, I wanted to know what did speaking of the football and Super Bowl, what did you think about that call that determined the whole game? Well, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was the, it was, a, it was pass interference. But what I didn't hear anybody talk about was that ha- had they been calling it during the game. In other words, it seemed like there were very little few, few penalties in there, and so I, I I hear these athletes talk about well at the first of the game. They kind of want to see, you know, how the referees are going to call it. Mm-hmm. Like baseball pitchers, are they going to be calling the low strike or the high strike? You know, how are they going to be, you know, calling the game? Because you know, there's a little bit of leeway there. And so I heard the player hear players talking about, well, you know, we're trying to see what we can do and what we can't do. And and I watched the game and and I can't, you know, identify all the penalties. But what what I thought was the thing, I don't think they've been calling the game that tight. And so to to go through the whole game and get down to just you know seconds in the game, and all of a sudden start calling it tight or start calling pass interference when it is pass interference, I thought that was wrong. But like I say, I didn't go back through and look and say, well, you know, yeah, they called it here, they didn't call it there. My impression of watching the game was that there was very few penalties, they were letting them play, and that that to me it hit me as like, well. I hadn't heard a pass interference call all day. I hadn't, you know, they say you can call a holding on every play of the game. Well, I don't think they'd call very many or, or any, you know. And then all of a sudden, on the biggest play, well, it turned out to be the biggest play of the game, they took the ball right out of the the, the Eagles' hands with that play. And so that's what – I'd like to know more about it, but that that's what got me. I think it was, you know, technically pass interference. But the thing about me, was that the way they were calling the game? No, and so to me that – that is like kind of obvious what that was. Yeah, that's what I thought. Now again, I, I I can't go back and say, well, you know, they call it here, they call it there, they didn't call it. But the impression I had was they were letting them play. The players had kind of known what they could do and what they could not do. Um, and um, 
they caught it then, and it was it just like I say it, it it took the ball away from Eagles having a chance, you know. And they might not have scored, but it, the get hit was a great game. If they hadn't have called that play, the uh, uh, Chiefs would have had to kick a field goal, which I think they would, and they'd have gone ahead. And then we'd got to see whether uh, Jalen could get them down the field or not. I mean, it it was a great game, you know. And uh, it would have been it would have been so much better. If they hadn't called that play, let him kick the field go, go ahead and then see if Jalen can get him across the field in time or not. You know, and it would have, you know, if if that had happened, and I think it, even if the Eagles had scored or the the Chiefs had broke it up on a tremendous play in the end zone or something, mm-hmm. it would have been the greatest, you know, Super Bowl ever. So I think they deprived us of a of a possibility of you know a one in a lifetime game. Well. Going back to Charlotte, what do you think is more likely to happen in the near future? The Panthers go to the Super Bowl or the Hornets go to the playoffs? What's more likely? Well, just based on history, it's more likely that the Panthers go to the Super Bowl. Panthers have been to the Super Bowl twice. To my not, to my recollection, the Hornets, I, I think they've gotten a – I think they – I know I know they've been to the second round. Uh but I think that's about it. I don't think they've been beyond – well, I shouldn't say that because I'm, I'm getting old. My memory's slipping a little bit. But I know they have never played for the NBA championship. So so based on that, and they've been around longer than the Hornets have, mm-hmm. I mean longer than the Panthers have, the Hornets have. So if, I, if just based on that, I'd say it's more likely that the football team would do it. But what's kind of strange about that, you know, it takes a lot more people – you know, defense, offense, specialty teams to build a football team than it does a basketball team. You know, with a with a with a right draft, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the the Hornets could be back. So, f- f- based on the two sports, uh, the Hornets would have a better chance to to make it because with a, with one or two players there, they could, you know, they could be there. It's just like the Suns. You know, we went to the the Hornets uh, in Suns game of the night, and what do you uh, think? Well, I. I it was a good game. I enjoyed it. It was a good game. But what I noticed was that uh, the Suns would be ahead by, by by 14 points most of the game. And then the, the Hornets would rally. And I know about two or three times they went from 14 to 9. But they cut it to 9, and all of a sudden, here come uh, Kevin Durant. You know, he hits a couple of key baskets, you know. They cut it down to 9 again. Here comes uh, Booker, Devin Booker, you know, and he hits it. You know, and it seemed like every time the Panthers would get you know, close, those two guys, those got they get the ball to those guys, and they would hit shots. You know, that you know kicked it back up to thirteen or fourteen. Towards the end of the game, I think it got down to six one time. But once again, those two guys, you know, and I remember another time, first time we saw LeBron there, and he was I think he was with the Heat then. We went to see a game, and uh, the, the the Hornets hung right there with them until it got down to the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden. LeBron kind of took over, you know. So uh, it was kind of interesting. Those players took over and made the difference. Do you have another highlight or headline? No, I don't have another headline, but it's something, and I don't know. Uh, it, it really, uh, one of my favorite players, and the, and I, it's, I don't know yet. It's, Who's uh, your favorite player? One, one of my favorite players. Okay. John Morantz. The, oh. He's the one that, that video with the gun and uh, – Oh, okay. Well, you can talk about that. Well, I, I just, you know, you know, guns are such a 
volatile subject. And well, for those that don't know, essentially, the kid shows up, puts online on on Facebook Live or Instagram Live. Um, him at a club with a gun, and his punishment by the NBA is to be suspended for two games. No, he's it, that was originally when they they suspended for two games, and it. But he still hadn't come back yet. And the Memphis Grizzlies have suspended all-star guard John Morant for at least two games while the league investigates a video shared on his Instagram Live early Saturday morning. In it, Morant is flashing what appears to be a gun inside a nightclub, holding it to the side of his face. Morant has issued an apology to his family, his teammates, his coaches, and fans, saying he does take full responsibility for his actions. The 23-year-old also says... He's going to take some time to get help and learn better methods of dealing with stress. Such an exciting player, you know, and he's one. He's one of those guys. If get you know, in most of these teams, it takes two. You put him on the right team, and uh, you know, with somebody, uh, he th- that team could 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 win the NBA because uh, he's that kind of player. He, he is so good, so talented. That he just makes some unbelievable shots. Uh, that he was the most improved player he was awarded that is currently under police investigation and is in jeopardy of missing 50 plus games if he's found guilty of any firearm infractions well the thing about it is that uh, you know um uh, i can't remember correct colorado is a open carry state so you can have a gun the only things i think you you can't have it on Federal, you can't carry a gun on federal property, and you can't carry a gun if you're under the influence. Um, so uh, he was at a, at a club, so, I mean, he could have had some beer, but I don't think there's any indication. But did it go off? Did he shoot anybody? No, no, it was just that he was just, on a video, it showed up him, and he was showing the gun and stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't know the details of it. Uh, and the NBA has their restrictions, but it, it's, but you know, you have to be on team property, uh, are going on a, a team trip. And so the fact it, they were out in Colorado for the Nuggets, and it was after the game, so I don't know if that's considered, you know, on the trip or not. So, um, Do you I, think I, that it's his punishment should be worth suspended for 50-plus games for showing a firearm? I, I, I think that's ridiculous. I, I think it's, you know, it... it, it I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, it... I know it's not a good. It's, it doesn't look good and you know, stuff like that. But I mean, he, n- nobody was hurt. It, it, it. I know if young kids see that stuff, it's, it's not the thing to do. And I, and I think in the, th- the fact that, hopefully, it happened early in his career that, uh, uh, you know, that he will. Won't, won't, won't What's what should be the punishment then? Katie, I, 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 I mean, to me, to what, me, to me, five games. Five game suspension, making him an example, but to suspend the the kid for fifty plus games is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, you know, I I think it was that it, it definitely not fifty games, and you know, I think five sounds like a reasonable thing, but they need to have some kind of standards, you know, and you know, because he's a, he's a star player, is he is is he treated differently than than other players that are not treated? So yeah, again, it just it just was really. Uh, because like I like him so much, and he's so much so fun to watch that that something like that would happen. But hopefully, that that will be a thing that uh, 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 it'll be a lesson learned early, so that he doesn't, you know, do anything in the future that would, you know, cost him more. Because he's such a such a fine player. 
that was about it. I, like I say, it wasn't much going on. The, I guess the, uh, one of the highlights was us getting to go see the Durant and his debut with the Suns. Yeah, that's exciting. That, that was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, But outside the basketball right now, like I say, in the, now this week they're having all the championships, you know, so there'll be some exciting college games and looking forward to that. And, you know, the well, Masters is not too far down the road, so things will pick up. This is what I want to um, end on because I was going to bring up the Tiger Woods thing, but, I mean – there's not enough information yet. But basically, Alabama star Brandon Miller comments on Jameel Harris's death. The situation is heartbreaking. So it says that um, is breaking his silence on the death of 23-year-old Jamal Harris, saying Wednesday the tragedy is heartbreaking. He All of these things. Brief remarks come just two days after he was named SEC Player of the Year and Freshman of the Year. As we previously reported, cops say Miller, Alabama's best player this season, brought the gun to his friend and former teammate Darius Miles on the 15th in Tuscaloosa. Miles' friend, Michael Davis, allegedly fired the fatal shot. Despite the connection to the murder case, Miller did not face trouble with Alabama or the law, and he's performing at a high level on the court. He's even dropped 41 points against South Carolina last month. Miller's availability has been met with criticism. The victim's parents expressed to USA Today they believe Bama is prioritizing Miller over the tragedy. They're worried about his career. But what about this five-year-old boy, Harris's son? I mean, what do you think of that? That's a... uh, How can you be involved in a murder and nothing happens? Well, I I don't... Katie, I don't know. That's Again, that's getting into one of those situations where... um, I'm. you know, yeah, I don't. I hate to comment on something I don't don't know the the circumstances. It doesn't sound good, but <clears throat> you know, uh, I don't. Yeah, I I I'd rather not comment because I don't really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, to think. I guess my thing is is. Um, oh, we just got an update. Date. Did all star guard John Moran won't be charged after police investigate gun video? Yeah. I just got an update. Yeah, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't. It didn't sound like that was what the law was that he had he had broken any, any um, of the state state laws, and uh, it was some question about if he had in fact broken any uh, NBA laws, you know, about the, the traveling with a gun. So, yeah, and so, kid, I don't, I wouldn't comment on that without knowing the circumstances of. I don't, I don't. Oh, know, I know, I, I know, know I know, I know. So it's. You know, loaning your buddy a gun, uh, assuming that he, that he bought the gun, you know, legally, that that there's any any breaking of any law of loaning a friend a gun. So again, that uh, I, that's a that's a tough, tough that's a tough one to try to. I don't know. Dad went to law school. <laughs> So, so to be continued. Can't comment until there's more information. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's like Morant's thing. You know, you real good at. Is that French? Names. Morantz could be, you know. Uh, Real quick, tell dad's a big baseball collector. And just so back in the day, you would get a baseball card and a bubble gum wrap. I want you to talk about that. Yeah, we used to uh, uh, do odds and ends to get money to buy baseball cards. I I remember we were uh, didn't live too too far from an area that that they would buy metal. And we'd go around all the place looking for, you know, old horseshoes or pieces of metal to go sell to get money to go buy baseball cards and you'd go in and they were you know uh 
I think they might have had a five cent pack, but I, but we always bought the one cent pack, and it was a, you know, a, it was wrapped up and had a, 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 a baseball card in there and a flat square piece of, of bubble gum. The, the 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 gum was real flat and thin, and it was it was a rectangle shape, and it wasn't as big as the card, but it was you know a, a little smaller than a than a playing card, like a you know card you deal for playing bra- bridge or something and and it was you know uh it was we'd collect them that way and they and we would what we'd do then is we'd get them and then we'd go and say okay do you have two of so and so and then i said well yeah i said well i got two who, who you got and you would trade back and forth you know you'd get you double we call them doubles or, or triples and those are the ones you would trade for somebody that you didn't have you know and uh it was really fun like on the saturday and stuff people would it's funny how far they would travel to come and trade baseball cards, and they'd bring their the ones that they had extras of, and they'd trade for. What was the rules of trading? Essentially, a better player, you would want a better, you want a card of a better player. Well, uh, it, it mostly revolved around well, good players that you didn't have, you know, and if you had two or three of a really good player, you could use those to get the players you mm-hmm. you didn't have. So I, that's what I always did. I always uh, uh, tried to tried to trade with my ones I had, you know, two or three of. For players I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't sure. I, I guess other people did, kind of did the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was, and, and see, we didn't <laughs> see back then. Uh, well, you know, it, we were uh, not smart enough, or whatever. Know that you could, you know, if you had enough money, you could go buy the whole series. You know, we we would try to make, get it collected every, you know, every day or every other day. We'd go in to the local drugstore or or or, or uh, uh, gas station, wherever they they sold them, you know, and. And buy cards and see what we got, you know. And that's why you would you would get sometimes you'd get three or four of a certain player, you know. Uh, but it was the fun of it, you know, not knowing who was there. And then and then the trading part was a was a good part. The other thing we did is we would we would use them in games. We would make our lineup and we'd use like a dice game, like you roll a a, a two as a double or, mm-hmm. or you know different numbers as a home run or something out. And we would play baseball with them. You know, we'd have a little scorebook and. And get our cards, and we'd you know put them in the lineup, and say now so and so is batting, and we'd roll the dice, and oh he struck out or he singled whatever, and we, we and we actually played with them and used them, you know, and so that's how they got. When do you think you stopped trading them? What, how old are you? Oh God, I think forty. <laughs> no, no. Seriously, or like was it like a, a high school thing or a college or? No, I think uh, it was. Uh, I think in. I want to say in junior high, I, you know. I, Did it just kind of organically stop? Yeah, it just kind of, kind of. I don't know why, kind of grew out of it. You know that. Uh, uh, I think probably around the the eighth grade, eighth and ninth grade, something like that. That makes sense. You know, it kind of, you know, grew out of it and stuff. So, but yeah, it was a fun time. It was a fun time to you know to collect it and to trade to play with them, you know, and stuff. And it was a. Go in the store and then you know who have I got? And when you got somebody you hadn't got, or you, you got one of your favorite players, it was a, a fun time. Well, last question that I ask a lot of my guests towards the end is, and I haven't asked you, have you ever seen a ghost? Katie, I hadn't. I, I can never. Anything creepy? Maybe that you didn't see a white figure, but you felt weird. Uh, no. I mean, you know, sometimes you you, you hear sounds that you, you that uh. You can't like well what uh, what mm-hmm. made that sound you know because you're there by yourself and nobody's there and you hear a sound in the house or something so sometimes those things are you hear 
Do you ever have deja vu? Yeah, for some things, you know, not lately, but when I was growing up, like, this looks familiar or something. So it seems like I've been here before, you know, or this, not necessarily, a, like this type of situation I've been in before, you know. Mm -hmm. So Cool. Yeah, I've had that, that feeling. Okay, well, that's it. Well, I enjoyed it. It's fun, fun time. Yeah, the first, the first field day reporting of 2023. Okay. All right, thanks, Dad. Well, thank you. Invite me back. Yeah, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.